practical Kenny Kenty Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous. Welcome to the last show in the series. It's been an honour over the past few months to chat with so many makers, makers of tunes, films, stage happenings, scribblings, brushwork, fizzing TV art. Being the final episode, I guess there should be a cliffhanger at the end, something to usher in the next chapter, so we'll be thinking about that as we go along. An unsolved unsolved murder in the KCL offices, perhaps, or news of the reforming of Talking Heads or Manu Chow, or the Tesco might decide to put an urban festival venue into the cattle mart instead of a supermarket. We'll come up with something. This evening, I'll be joined in studio by Eric de Butler, a chameleon-esque musician with a fondness for fabulous work apparel, woolly Tibetan-looking dresses and African capes and shamanistic moo-moos, but more importantly, one of the brilliant, brilliant creators of music. Trad, rock, blues, jazz, vaudeville, maybe a bit of punk and some a cappella. Any noise he can make foots tap and arms go up in the air and broad smiles appear across a room. Eric is then going to vacate the chair and leg it down to Clears to be replaced by none other than Mary Butler who runs the arts office with such authenticity and such devotion to the business of nurturing artists that Kilkenny really is at the vanguard of arts development. Our artist and profile this week is Tom Duffy. And before we sign off, we're going to scutter crab-like into one last shameless plug for the Boris Festival. And we'll let you know before anyone else in the country who is coming. We might hear from a speaker of recent times and then some sort of cliffhanger. First, though, to Eric Butler, or Eric de Butler, a musician that I became friends with shortly after moving to this part of the world. Over the years, we've worked together on some gigs which normally would take musicians years to assemble and which he managed to rustle together before the waffles at midday. He has magicked up a Tom Waits stage biopic, a wild, brassy hoot nanny for Electric Picnic, even a performance with his Led Zeppelin's John Paul Jones. He's interpreted Leonard Cohen, he's sat and bowled over the royalty of trad, and he's recently completed a BA in jazz performance contemporary music. He has played guitar and piano since before he was teething. You get the message. Uh, Eric, you're very welcome. Um, and despite all that, Eric, you are super glued to Carlo. You've, yeah. you've, you, you're from there, you've lived there all of your life, you have a studio there, and you're a real disciple of the art scene in, in Carlo. Tell us what it is that runs through the barrow. That's a good question, yeah. It's, um, it's home. That's, that's really what it is. Um, I mean, I have, I've, I've left on a number of occasions and, uh, you know, seeing things in other places. But yeah, I've always come back here. Most of my songs would be kind of, um, as Tom Waits himself would have put it, travel logs. Yes. And any time I've, um, like if I go through any of the songs that I like, that I would still perform now, um, they were all written from leaving and coming back. Yes. Be, yeah. it, be it for a month or a day or whatever. And do you sense that other musicians who, who, who come from Carlo do the same? The leave and come back is an important part of the trajectory for them? I have no idea. Um, it, definitely, it definitely is that for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. But a lot of the musicians that I'd worked with over the years um, might not be kind of 
not songwriters. I've worked with uh, an awful lot of, uh, say, trad musicians. Yes. Um, most of most times that I've actually left uh, Ireland, say, uh, you know, be it for, you know, a year or a month or whatever, they've usually been, if if not on my own, it's been with trad musicians. Yes. So not many of those are actually um, writing songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I go, I mean, I don't know what it is. I leave and there's always something you're going to see, something you're going to experience. A lot of times it's something you don't like. Okay. Um, yeah. That, that's a lot of time. It, it's, it might be something upsetting, something I've always been kind of fascinated by, I know, the darker side of things. Yeah, I suppose to, 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 to pull apart the different types of music that you play and that you perform, you know, as a trad musician, I, I, I imagine by and large that you're, that you're playing, um, songs that are, that are handed down, that are passed on, and, and actually you're, you're hearing Carlo to play in, 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 um, in a program called Gantry in, in Clears at eight o'clock. And I, I think people can go along if they would like to, is that correct? They absolutely to, can. To join and watch that. It's eight o'clock this evening in Clears. Yeah. But, and that's a, and that's a trad performance and, and it's a performance where you're, you know, you're interpreting a piece of music that has, that has, that has come into your lap for that particular moment in time. But you're also a, a writer of music as well as being his teacher. Um, and, uh, and so y- your, your, your work as a writer, as I've referenced before, has gone el- elsewhere, has gone into, you know, big brassy outfits that are that are that are there to 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 make a crowd rise up off the ground. Um, or recently, you've spent is it, was it three or four years doing a BA in jazz? Yeah. Perhaps we can talk a little bit about about the jazz. Sure. You know, would you consider that to be where it all started? Um, you mean jazz? You you as a musician and your influences was yeah. jazz sort of always there, and then you've come around to recognizing that through your no it, it actually came later um i mean i, I was raised uh, as both my sisters were listening to um classical music and traditional irish music they were the two um so it was actually much much later um i i went up to dublin years i did i actually did an apprenticeship years ago um in engineering and i, I was going to move up to dublin and i was just playing guitar i was playing all sorts of stuff at the time and uh, my father actually comes from my father really when I think about it he said look keep an eye out for a guy named Louis Stewart when you're up there you know okay. Uh, which I did but um, at the time kind of 19 you know you're kind of worried that um, you can't actually you don't actually have a tenor to go see somebody because yeah. that's like a, couple, a few points at that stage so it was actually years <laughs> later and so Louis Stewart sort of J.J. Smith's royalty that kind was of thing, the yeah. one yeah. Why don't we play a little bit of his sure. music and then we'll come back to you. You're listening to The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Dellis. Brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. That before the break was Louis Stewart and all the things you were. Uh, I'm sitting in studio now with Eric de Butler. And uh, just to pick up where we left off, uh, Eric, you you have a, a sort of an almost indiscriminate love of music, mm. um, in that you 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 seem to be able to play half of them, 
and 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 love the other half. Is there is there an instrument you dislike? No, there isn't. Even the didgeridoo is okay with the you. Didgeridoo is is, uh, is wonderful <laughs> in the right hands. <laughs> and where do you stand with electronic music? Are you scarpering off to Ibiza or Berlin um, to the Bergheim for? Uh, a month a year. What, where are you with electronic music? Uh, I actually love electronic music. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot going on in it that uh, you know you might you might very easily dismiss. You know, I'd heard you say um, that one of the things you learned in your in your course in jazz was the appreciation of rhythm. Mm. And and how studying rhythm gave you a new appreciation um, for for mainstream music, actually. And yeah. I, I guess that's the same thing. Absolutely. There's, uh, you know, um, there's a reason why mainstream music is mainstream music at, at the moment. It is the, like one of the biggest reasons is the rhythm. Mm-hmm. It's the things that, you know, they, they've managed to kind of refine all the things that like smack people in the face and catch them. And a massive, massive, massive part of that is rhythm. Um, and I've even incorporated that sometimes into um, if I'm playing some, if I'm playing some trad music, which I do accompaniment. I'm a guitar player when it comes to trad these days. And if I'm in a place, um, you, you often will find yourself in a place where there's three or four musicians and a few other people, and they're not really listening. You know, they don't really, you know, especially uh, unfortunately in this country as opposed to outside it. Um, and even then, you can just start messing around with some rhythm stuff, some, um, you know, stuff that they might recognise, don't know they're recognising it, and suddenly the, there's, they don't know why, but the, the feet are starting to go, and, you know, so there's definitely, a, I mean, we are, every single one of us walking around, we have a rhythm within us, it's our heartbeat, you know, yes. so like we, we literally are a rhythm walking around, so it's a, I didn't really pay um, too much attention to that. I, I, for me, it was always about kind of lyrics and melody and and performing and stuff like that. But um, just to add another layer on top of that, when you look deeper into the rhythm, it's like it opens up a whole other world, you know. Yeah, there's a wonderful start to um, the memoir of Mike Scott from the Water Boys, where he um, describes how he'd inadvertently um, he would take the bus every day, and I think it was Glasgow he grew up, and mm-hmm. uh, and he loved being on the on the second floor of the bus above the driver. And he, um, his foot tapped all the time to the to the music that was going on in his head, and he, mm. he didn't realise it because he was too busy focusing on the music. And he drove the bus driver completely insane <laughs> until he eventually exploded. So uh, there we go. I, I understand what happened. Um, so uh, does 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 age make you more tolerant of music or just more knowledgeable? Do you? How does age affect you as a performer and a writer? Yeah, I don't know. Um, age as a like as a writer, unfortunately, you kind of I, I find myself um, finding it harder to get into that flow where I, I'm not worried about what's going to come out. That that's an unfortunate thing. I'm I'm working on that at the moment. Um, more tolerable. I mean, tolerant. It's when I listen to. As I say, a lot of the mainstream music sometimes it, it it gets a bit annoying when you're looking at stuff. Is there's an awful lot of visual going on? There's there's an awful lot of um, like way too much sex used to sell music these days. That that gets a bit um, as, there, as there is on telly and 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 Every, yeah, everywhere, yeah. Ev- everywhere, just to sell, sell, sell. You know, um, you know. I I, I just. I think I figured out in the last number of years that really 
I don't care what it is. I don't care what genre. I don't care what instrument. I don't, I really don't care. As long as what I'm creating, that I'm like, that I'm honest, that I can listen to it and kind of go, do you know what? Uh, that is honest. And even years later, when I look back on some of the lyrics that I w- would have wrote, written when I was, say, like 19, for example, there was, there was one particular song that I had on an album and there's one or two lyrics in it that make me kind of go, oh, that's yes. cringy. But look, it's at least honest. You know what I mean? That, like, yeah. after that, I'm fine. So, when you're up on stage, yeah, do you... I'm trying to remember uh, the answer to this as I ask it. Do you sing with your eyes closed? I oft, very often do, yeah. And is very that often. because you want to be in your own head? You just also happen to be on stage for the benefit of everyone in front of you? What's that relationship like? Kind of. I, I genuinely feel that when I'm singing a song and um, I'm not saying I'm visualising every single um, every single line, but there is there are little kind of snapshots that run through my brain um, of, of songs, whether I've written them myself or not. There's always something. And there's always, you always feel like you're kind of trying to tap in to something else that's otherworldly almost because that's certainly how it feels when you get it because when that happens I truly believe that the audience feels that as well if they're there with you I mean if they're if they're running around pubs having chats that's a different story well, I, I try not to do that anymore but if I'm in a kind of a theatre situation everybody's there they're focused the lighting is right I'm in that zone I can I can I can feel them coming with me it's like I can I, I, I can feel them responding to me even though they're not making a sound okay. so it's all about that so sometimes I might open the eyes look around or whatever but yeah whether they're open or closed I am not really there have you ever seen you know like a a, a, a Buddhist monk meditating for you know they're not there okay that's well, the only way you, I can describe it with you not there we're going to hear now <laughs> a performance by uh, Eric of his song Between the Lines With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous. Now, back here in studio with Mary Butler, who's the Arts uh, Arts Officer here in Kilkenny. And if I could take a moment to thank uh, KCLR, uh, in in whose seat I'm sitting, for doing something that other local radio stations don't really do, which is to broadcast a show dedicated to the arts. It's something even the national broadcasters look at with one eye closed through a slit in their fingers, with notable exceptions such as the wonderful arena. Um, And part of the reason that KCLR decided to do an arts show, or have have done an arts show over the years, um, is connected to the ideologies of the arts office here in Kilkenny, whose work is often so invisible and yet so rich in nurture and help um, so Mary Butler has a has a sort of a black belt in nurturing artists, and she's here with me in the studio. Um, but perhaps Mary, it's less of a martial art and more about <laughs> stethoscopes and or eye charts. Um, do you see the role of the 
arts office as a as a sort of a promoter of the arts or about education or is it about in investing taxpayers money sensibly or is it about helping lost people find their way um, well, for, I'll start by saying there's a bit of black belt in it, absolutely, which, you know, I'm, I'm never one to shy away from that. Um, and I think it's a mixture of everything. I think it's a mixture of everything because really what it comes down to is knowing your county, knowing your artists and knowing their needs. So it's education because you want to educate people to the significance of the arts in our lives um, in order for them to buy in, for the want of a better word, for the levels of support that need to go into the arts. I'm not an events organiser per se, even though there are events and, you know, exhibitions and sometimes concerts. And, you know, I would have been involved in the local life performance scheme. And that was really significant. But I always look for opportunities to support people in whatever we do. So when the local life performance scheme came around, it was a really good opportunity for me to reconnect with musicians. Mm-hmm. That Follow, I followed that on with um, working with FMC. I know you interviewed Angela and um, Jim Carl a couple of weeks ago and we've worked with them over the last six or seven months and we're developing a music plan for Kenny, which we, we will have in the coming weeks. So it's always about connecting people. It is also about spending taxpayers' money absolutely, sensibly. I suppose I'd use the word sensibly loosely, but I think well is probably a better way of saying it because in actual fact, it's our role as local authorities to take risks on people and enable artists to take risks at this stage in their career. We have to take chances on them and we have to allow them and enable them to take risks because that is the way that they find themselves. That's the way they find new ways of working. But at the core of everything we do is the artist, absolutely. Without them, there's kind of no point in it in a way. So... I'm less of a promoter than an advocate, I would say, for the arts, Mm -hmm. um, really. So advocating both, I suppose, because I'm county arts officer working for the local authority, I always try to look at bigger picture. So individual organisations have a responsibility to look at their organisation, what they're doing, how they're spending their money, um, how they're supporting artists, whereas I'm looking at the bigger picture and the greater good all of the time. I have no vested interest in any one artist or any one organisation. It's really looking across the board. And do you find um, uh, then when you're sitting at a table in a local authority office and your your competition is 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 not uh, other artists or other art forms but um, it's the sports person mm. um, or it's the person who's looking after the sewerage treatment plant or it's the guy who's looking for some money to put in a new road or a bridge somewhere. Yeah. Do you find that the arts are a hard sell? Um, they're not any harder a sell in one way than some other things because I think every department has their challenges. They're a hard sell insofar as people really understanding. I think globally people take the arts for granted and I particularly think that in, in kind of, I don't mean present day society like the last 20 years. I mean, I think kind of since civilization came about because I think prior to that, um, we were create, you know, people were creative and that is the way they communicated. Whereas now the way society is, the arts can be seen as frivolous and I do think that they're misunderstood. So sometimes, um, I can be seen, you know, what we do can be seen as very, a little bit frivolous, a little bit lighthearted. But I always say to people, some people listen to politicians, some people listen to sports personalities, some people listen to teachers, some people listen to philosophers, some people really do listen to artists. Whether it's listening to artists through the music that they play, the paintings, the installations, the poetry, the novels, they listen to artists and that's how they understand the world and it's how they learn. Mm-hmm. So, 
that's sort of what you're trying to get across a lot of the time. Yeah, and you've used a couple of words uh, in this conversation. You've used the word risk and you've used the word frivolous or frivolousness mm. uh, in describing the, the the area in which we work. And I think they're both really important words. But I'd, I'd like to also um, add to that the sort of the, the, the whole commercial bubble that there is around the arts and, and ask this question, why are artists so skint and what do we do about it? That's a really challenging question. Artists are not trained, no more than certain other professions, in regards to how to live in the in, in, in the world, how to survive commercially and how to make a living. My own background is fine art. And part of me thinks we should be taught that in college. The other part of me doesn't at all. Oh, my God, there's nothing better in your life than, you know, depending what level you study, whether it's, you know, just a foundation or whether you go on to do a BA or a master's. But I had five years and my only responsibility across those five years was to make art. I mean, really, there's nothing better if you're an artist or if you're interested in the arts. And so a lot, consequently, a lot of what we do is CPD. So a huge amount of CPD that the, the arts office does now is around the business of being an artist. Mm-hmm. So it's continuing professional development. Mm-hmm. So we do work with artists around the practice of their work, but we also do, um, I mean, we, our most um, attended session with Visual Arts Ireland on literally Tuesday, yesterday, mm-hmm. was um, selling your work. Right. So we had a full, okay. we had 64 people at a session on selling your work, how to price your work, different ways of creating incomes. And I suppose the other thing that's come up really interestingly with uh, somebody I was talking to the other day is, is patronage. You know, mm-hmm. there are no patrons anymore. So the patronage are, are the funders, really. Mm-hmm. So it's how to, how to nego, how to enable artists to negotiate. And I suppose the other side of it, this is not, you know, Somebody did say to me once that there are too many artists and not enough galleries or outlets for mm-hmm. artists to and show wh- their work where, and where to sell the their patron, work. Where have the patrons gone? Well, a society has just changed, yeah. and the arts were valued then. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was it was a very significant thing for somebody to be able to afford to have an artist at their beck and call. You know, to to do portraiture or to paint their large houses. So I think the way it was valued was very different. And I do think we need to be careful, very careful now to not lose the value of the intrinsic value of the arts. The arts are an incredibly powerful tool for social inclusion, for change, for regeneration, for education. But they shouldn't be shackled by language. So funding shouldn't be only for artists whose work is socially inclusive or whose work is, you know, regenerative or around climate change. That's really important, don't get me wrong, for one minute. And there's no better way to educate people with the intrinsic value of the arts is really important, that artists are enabled to follow their course because you never know what's going to come out of that. That's how we break new ground, how mm-hmm. we make new discoveries. You know, it's very important. So tell me, do... do does Ireland care enough about the arts? You know, speaking, let's say, in, in, in European terms, does, a, does the Department of Arts um, have a similar standing to the Department of Arts in, say, Spain or Portugal? Um, to be quite honest, I don't know because I don't have any statistics, but I think really what it, I, I think... I often think that people's hearts are in the right place, but because they don't understand the arts enough, they don't actually know 
how to package that investment. They don't know how to use it best. So some of the funding is not fit for purpose, maybe. Okay. Well, we're going to come back to you in just a moment, Mary. We're going to stop for some important messages. And uh, and then we will uh, come back. So my name is Thomas Duffy. Uh, My art practice is that I'm an artist, musician, and an educator. I make visual art, I make music. Um, I've a deep love for Afro-Brazilian music, so that actually comes into all my visual art. Um, and much of my practice reflects on the interconnection between the music, the visual art, and the people I work with. So I'm originally from the boundary between rural and suburban Dublin, uh, up near what's now Donami, and is now a vast conurbation. Um, but I've lived in, or just beside the village of Coon here in Kilkenny, near Castlecomer, for, oh gosh, we're here nearly 15 years now. Um, I've been in Kilkenny for 25. A uh, key point in my career as an artist, there are lots, there are lots, but I, I'll select one. Um, in 2004, I was invited to create a memorial sculpture called The Fallen Bouquet. Uh, for three busmen who were killed in bomb explosions in Dublin in 1972 and 73. Uh, that's on Sackville Place, just off O'Connell Street. Um, the reason it's significant is I was related. My father was one of those men. And it was the first time in my career that I had created something that really resonated very deeply with me. It also opened up the door to my practice that... If work was worth making, it was worth making um, connected to other people, connected to things I found important. Um, In terms of what it's like to be an artist in Kilkenny, I think like most artists, and I would suspect a lot of artists will answer this as well, um, it's a broad spread of activities. Um, We first moved to Kilkenny um, because of its reputation in the arts. But working up in the garret, up in the house and on a hill, it takes a while to make those connections. Um, and then when you do realise that the vitality and the range of artist expre- artistic expression in Kilkenny is immense. It, it's just, it's huge. Um, so, yeah, creating a place and, and, and hacking out a place within that artist community um, has been unpredictable and exciting and you know like most art processes it it never goes the way you imagine it's going to go Um, and it's made by making friends and it's made by making connections Um, and you know your place finds you as much as you find your place I'm just about to embark the work I'm currently working on Um, my current work um is I suppose I'm just about to embark on a new phase of artistic residencies. A lot of my work involves um, engaging with communities, with school communities, um, and using artistic processes to dig into big ideas and dig dig into big ideas um, like like our ecological issues, like um, issues regarding. 
uh, interconnectivity and interdependence and how the fact is the world the world is we are all so interconnected yet feel so apart in terms of either primary level like Conaghy or school that I'm working at at the moment in Ballyhale um, the important thing is to use those artistic processes and discoveries and questions in a way and on a level that those people understand um, so no matter what the artistic process is it, it always meets the people who you ask the question so you manage to ask big philosophical questions in terms that people get um, and that voyage of discovery as an artist it happens within me on my own terms but it's far more exciting when you do it with other people um, because you learn so much more from so many different perspectives so time and space um, is important to me as an artist and as a musician because exploration takes time um, some questions only reveal themselves through the, pra- the practice of asking and when you're in the attempt to answer a question it digs up further questions so the artistic practice that time and space allows uh, you to, to to travel off in avenues you would, could never imagine at the starting point but end up at um, and, and that's, that's there's areas of growth there there's always areas of growth when, when you end up asking questions you would never imagine to ask the most rewarding part of being an artist is the opportunity to connect and learn on a daily basis each project each day presents a new set of challenges It presents new opportunities. Um, It presents uh, uh, chances to um, look at your own limitations in the face and sometimes run away and sometimes face them. And and I think being an artist, because it has this this slightly nebulous uh, definition, it allows for you to come at it from lots of different avenues, lots of different angles, feed in lots of different parts of yourself to find fulfillment and reward and to to to, to be part of, of of a connected world that's bigger than yourself. Um so oh, if I was to give anyone advice, I have number one, who am I to give anyone advice? Um it's it's to be passionate. It's to find that passion is what, whatever it is that lights your soul, whatever it is that, that 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 brightens you up, you know, dig in there, find that. It, it's I, I think it's great to try many many things. I'm an artist who who has settled and moved and settled and moved and not really found a single avenue, but by exploring lots of things that I'm passionate about, um, I can look back and and, and see that I have I have. Um, I'm gonna, can I can I do that again? That's that meanders a little bit. Ah, um, if I was to give anyone advice who are interested in being an artist, it's to be passionate. It's to be passionate about whatever it is that lights your fire, and also to passionately be, to exist in a way that sees the excitement in your life, that sees the the. the the glimmer of miracle around you 
because it is there and, and I think if you pursue something that you love you see that magic that you're, you're surrounded by that magic once again as as a multidisciplinary artist I have had lots of influences I've been blessed with teachers um, in in broad range of, of uh, disciplines and but teachers are everywhere not just people who are good at your at your skill teachers are everywhere um, one that stays with me and has carried me a long way is I had a teacher of Brazilian music called Dudu Tucci. He lives in Germany, but he's from Salvador da Bahia in northeast Brazil. And has over the years become a friend. He's a true drumming master, but he has become a friend over the years. And on one discussion, as, as a good night, as we, we had left a training session, he, he parted with a, you know, don't forget, walk lightly on the world. So if, if I had one wish for the arts, um, is that it wouldn't be seen so much as other. Um, that that the arts is, is, is integral, that, that creativity and play is is at the heart of learning and growing in community and communities of care. Um, because that creative approach and, and, and what the arts offer are avenues to, 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 to grow, for avenues for everybody to grow. So, so you can find out more about me and my work through www.thomasduffyart.com. Um, social media is Instagram, Thomas Duffy Artist. Uh, there is Facebook page and, and other bands and stuff that I, I, I deal with. If you go through those, it offers a hub and you can delve down some of the rabbit holes that I would like to pursue. So that was our artist in profile this week, Tom Duffy, um, uh, not just an artist, but a percussionist and educator, gliding between stone and bronze, photography and paper, with a good knowledge of Afro-Brazilian culture. And he passes wisdom down in the classroom too. Back in a minute. The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous, with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. Back in studio with Mary Butler, Arts Officer in, uh, in Kilkenny County Council. And uh, we're just going to dive straight back in, uh, Mary, if we could. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you take artists from a certain point, um, let's call it emerging, mm. um, and look after them to a certain point, let's call that emerged, mm. um, and then your work is done? Uh, so... Here's a series of questions to to ask you. How is that measure made? What are the metrics of being an emerged artist? And I suppose in the same breath, um, what does the landscape look like for a young or emerging artist Mm. uh, here in Kilkenny or anywhere in Ireland? What jobs are there? What opportunities are there? What revenue streams can the county uh, offer at a a local level? Mm. Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, well, I would say yes. The arts office probably starts before emerging. I think we work with artists in in differing art forms, you know, very much from uh, beginners, certainly from the point of view of literature and writing, certainly from beginners. I think writers cut their teeth in different ways. Visual artists tend to go to college. They come back maybe as graduates and they're emerging artists. Um, And I would consider our role 
in regards to making the arts realistic career has been very, very significant. So I often try to work in tandem from the point of view of both funding and training at the same time. So an example would be our youth residency this year. So we had a young um, graduate called Aoife Doherty who had studied in Limerick. She moved back to Kilkenny and we were looking for an artist to send into two youth centres in Kilkenny. So I partnered with Ossery Youth and The Drum, which is Froiga. Aoife applied for the position like lots of other artists she was successful um, but she was also quite quite new to working with young people and quite young herself but this is why partnering with others is really important and you know I don't expect I'm not an expert in all areas so bringing in the youth workers to support Aoife from the youth work perspective of mm-hmm. working with young people and then I'm there from the arts perspective um, so she went through like a, I think a nine week programme with the young people really enjoyed it you know, I do evaluation reports for everything, obviously. But, you know, she she learned so much. But so that enabled us to pay her, provide her with 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 a job, but also an elements of professional development alongside it by getting the support and the mentoring. And um, it doesn't have to be formal mentoring either. It's just the kind of conversations and checking in with people, making sure they're 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 OK, that they always know that you're there on the other end of the phone if they need advice that they can come in and sit down with you. So I suppose it, a lot of it would be through those sorts of things. The other funding streams, we have our ARTSAC grants, we have our ARTLINGS bursaries, um, we fund mentoring programmes. Um, through ARTLINGS we actually fund third level education as well, which maybe a lot of people wouldn't expect that we do. Um, so, and then from the point of view of the other way of providing income is, you know, through programmes, we work with, you know, young people, we work with children, um, a lot of women's programmes as well. We have a very long-standing women, women's programme here in Kilkenny. And for all of those programmes, we use professional artists. Mm-hmm. From the point of view of the metrics of emerging and emerged, um, I don't make that decision. That's really down to the artist. Now, on saying that, we do have, for Artlings, you can be a member of Artlings, which is a four-county partnership, yeah. um, as a professional or an emerging artist. So we have lists of seven or eight things and people, you tick three for professional, you tick two for emerging. So there's parameters within it. It's often about where your work has been seen, where your funding has come from, that sort of thing. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, um, t- uh, briefly, because I know we're running short of time, about <laughs> some uh, a much more flippant parameter. Um, when synchronised swimming came to the Olympics, uh, everyone went, uh, what is that? Does that happen in the arts? Is 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 um, acceptable to assume that baking is not an art form? Uh, circuses are, but comedy isn't. TV writing and frontline journalism don't count. What about debating? Who decides? Yeah, well, baking is creative, but it doesn't come under my remit, would be the way that I would put it. It's not something... um, It's a different area. And there are other supports. If there are other supports out there and other areas where people can acquire funding, then it doesn't. And also it doesn't come under the definition of the Arts Act of 2003, I might add. (laughs) So in that instance, I can leave it out. (laughs) Mary, thank you so much for your philosophy and for your nurture of people in this county. And you provide rungs for ladders for them all and your work is felt. Um, thank you so much for this and, and, and thanks to KCLR for the opportunity to host this weekly arty farty party. And it's been a huge pleasure. Um, 
and thanks to Ethna Quirk, the unclustered producer, and to the sleek operator Martin Bridgman, not just for the frantic hand signals and skill with the paid button, but for his deep experience and knowledge of the arts, and to John Purcell, who's the main cheese round here. Our time is coming to a close, and so I must dive out the window and run off into the night and go back to work on the Boris House Festival of Writing and Ideas, which is on the 16th to the 18th of June this year. Come, please. With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jellis.